Listen up, y'all. I got more, more, more galans. I got more than ever before. Oh, you know how these more do if you got the more too. If they doing it to you, you can't get them gone. Once you get the Mogulons, the What a great day it is to be here. I'm crystal clear. You're listening to more Morgulons, and guess what? That more Morgulons, the more you got, the more you got. These Morgulons are never gone. You always get more more. is Monday, the best day of the week. Crystal clear here. Today I want to talk about agrobacterium. I've been threatening to talk about agrobacterium for months now, um, and I finally am getting around to it. I do think it is an important topic in the discussion of Morgulon's disease. Um, I think that the genetically modified organisms that are now ubiquitous in our food supply could potentially be associated somehow with the etiology and pathophysiology, meaning the origin and the course of the disease when it comes to Morgulons. Um, I have a few reasons for uh, believing this. One, um, the research done uh, back in the 2000s about agrobacterium being identified in the wounds of Morgulon's patients and not in, present on any uh, control group non-Morgi uh, patients. So um, there's a site, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? The guy from Stony Brook University. It's something Eastern European sounding, Sitovsky uh, or something like that. Um, I've talked about it in earlier episodes, but he did some stuff with uh, Wymore um, that seemed to suggest in his research that he identified agrobacterium, he's a, a world-leading expert on agrobacterium, and um, he also he seemed to believe that the Morgulon's fibers were uh, chains of polysaccharides, which chitin, C-H-I-T-I-N, is uh, basically chains of polysaccharides. Chitin is the uh, substance that uh, often comprises uh, or composes the exoskeletons of insects. What does that mean? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Why hasn't this research been replicated if um, this association was established in a very small number? I believe it was six uh, patients uh, back in the 2000s. I don't know. It, did this fall off the map as a, a topic of exploration because they did try to replicate it and it was not possible? I think I have read that somewhere, but I can't find any study or source that describes uh, the failure to replicate those results. 
So to me, it's still an open question. Also, another reason why I uh, suspect agrobacterium may be associated with the development of morgulons is the fact that y'all, okay, so recently, I don't know why I've never done this before, but I looked up agrobacterium Wikipedia. Yes, they still have not changed the morgulons page. Y'all don't forget about that. Don't stop bugging the Wikipedia editor who put that bullshit in uh, the morgulons entry. But anyway, I went to agrobacterium on Wikipedia and you know, they have an image of the agrobacterium, which I've never seen before. When I saw this image, Okay, this may be a spurious correlation, but let me tell you something. You remember way back when, back um, when I was telling y'all that one time about how I went to go buy some new tennis shoes and I was at Ross, uh, Cross Dress for Less, as I like to call it, and um, they, I was taking my shoes off in the store to try these other shoes on, and my damn socks and shoes were full of these weird fucking, uh, like little light brownish beigeish brownish colored um like like little lumpy crumply materials you know they were emerging from my feet like all day that day let me tell you something those little things that i was like had my shoes full of mat exact match exact match for the agrobacterium that i saw on wikipedia y'all could be a coincidence, but damn, that's a hell of a coincidence. Don't ask me, don't ask me how agrobacterium um, would be emerging from my feet spontaneously. Don't know. Don't know. Don't have the equipment, the funding, or the, uh, you know, expertise to um, investigate that at this time. However, I know what I saw, and um, I know that there has to be something genetic going on with morgulons because how in the fuck else do you explain why some people with morgulons are able to live in a household with the rest of their family for decades and no one else in their family develops morgulons? That to me suggests that there's only a certain amount of people who have a genetic predisposition to express these symptoms while in other people who are not genetically predisposed, they may have or almost must have uh, latent and asymptomatic uh, infections with this disease-causing agent, whatever it may be. Um, Were our genes modified by the agrobacterium present in our food supply making us susceptible to morgulons? Don't know. Is agrobacterium transferring horizontally its DNA into eukaryotic cells and changing known pathogens into um, novel pathogens that have novel symptoms? If y'all just went, what the fuck did she just say? Let me break that down a little bit. Agrobacterium is used in genetic engineering Um, GMOs, uh, oftentimes in order to transfer a desired trait for survival over to the crop that is trying to be grown. Don't get me wrong. GMOs, genetically modified organisms, as they apply to agriculture, in theory, are 
a great innovation of a technology because, you know, world hunger is still a problem, y'all. We didn't ever solve that. It's still going on. So if you can take a genetically modified grain of rice that is hardier than a normal grain of rice and uh, yields a higher harvest um, and feeds more people and helps that problem of ending world hunger, well then, gosh darn, those GMOs sound like a good idea to me. I've never had anything against them or even question their utility uh, up until recently just because was not aware that um, some of the agents used, such as agrobacterium, to, uh, you know, affect the, these gen- genetic modifications can also genetically modify eukaryotic cells, okay? So eukaryotic cells are cells that mammals have, that people have, okay, as opposed to prokaryotic Um, prokaryotic or a different kind of cell that animals don't have. Okay. So, but if agrobacterium can transfer its DNA, when I say horizontal transfer, it means it's basically inserting its DNA into the cells of a different species of living organism, making mutations and modifications to that, uh, receiving, uh, receptor, uh, of, uh, cell of the, the, modified DNA. Well, I mean, that could be dangerous. That could result in new emerging uh, diseases. Let's read, let's get some basics down um, on our scientific knowledge, y'all, about agrobacterium. I found this article pretty interesting from 2013. Um, It is written, it's called Agrobacterium, a Potent Human Pathogen by Maud Adnan Saif Khan, Mitesh Patel, Ayad Al-Shamari, and Ibrahim M.A. Ashankiti. Sorry if I murdered y'all's names. Those are hard ones. Uh, It was uh, published in 2013 in Reviews in Medical Microbiology, which is a peer-reviewed medical journal. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelts. Agrobacterium is a plant pathogen, meaning it infects plants, right? Which is able to produce several kinds of diseases in various plant species, such as crown gall disease and hairy root disease. Y'all, I got hairy looking roots coming out of these lesions on my face. So there's that. The crown gall disease and hairy root diseases develop when a segment of the bacterial DNA is transferred into the plant cell and subsequently becomes integrated into the plant genome. Okay, historically, this transfer has taken place only in plants. There is an assumption that agrobacterium, a commonly used gene transfer vector for plants, cannot infect animal cells. However, this has been proved wrong, and certain kinds of human diseases have been identified. Increasing evidence indicates that under laboratory conditions, agrobacterium is able to transfer its DNA into numerous and diverse non-plant eukaryotic species, such as fungi and yeast, as well as human cultured cells. Agrobacterium is responsible for opportunistic infections in humans with weakened immune systems. It is also found to be responsible for producing poisonous hydrogen sulfide, H2S, gas, sepsis, monoarticular arthritis. Monoarticular means mono means one. Articular, whenever you see that articula, that means joint. So one joint arthritis, okay? Um, Bacteremia. Bacteremia means, um, whenever you see emia, that means uh, a lot of. So lots of bacteremia, uh, bacteria, 
uh, that's kind of the same as a sepsis, right? Sepsis is when you have an infection of the bloodstream. Bacteremia would be a bacterial infection of the bloodstream. It can also cause cancer. He says Morgulon's disease. He includes that. Don't ask me why. Well, we'll find out in the paper. And so on in humans. Very, very interesting. Okay, so... Introduction. Agrobacterium is a gram-negative bacillus. Bacillus is like we were talking about the spirochetes. They're spiral-shaped bacteria. The bacillus uh, type of category in bacteria is also referring to the shape of the bacteria. I believe a bacillus is a rod-shaped bacteria. Okay. Gram-negative just means the uh, bacteria are clear, basically. So when you try to look at them under a microscope, you have to stain them with dyes. Uh, gram negative just refers to a type of dye. I think it's purple or something that you stain it with so you can look at it under the microscope once you've cultured it, right? And agar, the medium that they eat, the food they eat, the bacteria eat. Um, we've learned a lot on this show, haven't we, if you've been following along. So some of this should be familiar. If you're just picking it up right now, I'm just giving you a little bit of background in case you don't have that science background or that, um, uh, you know, you're not familiar with the jargon because that can sometimes be uh, an impotent, uh impediment to our understanding, right? So agrobacterium is gram-negative bacillus, which is recognized in genetic engineering terms for its ability to transfer DNA between itself and plants. It comprises a variety of species, such as agrobacterium agile, agrobacterium albertimagni, agrobacterium aronticum, agrobacterium larimorae, agrobacterium radiobacter, agrobacterium rhizogenes, agrobacterium rubi, agrobacterium tumefacens, agrobacterium vitis, and so on. Of these, A. rhizogenes causes hairy root disease. A. ruby causes cane gall disease. I'm, ass- I'm assuming that means sugar cane. Uh, a tumefacens causes crown gall disease, and A vitis causes crown gall of grape. Okay, during the infectious process, a segment of the tumor-inducing TI plasmid called transfer tDNA is transferred from agrobacterium to the plant cell nucleus, where it is integrated into the chromosomal DNA and is expressed. Let's break that down a little bit. During the infection process, a segment of the tumor-inducing plasmid. So a plasmid is a plasmid is like a <clears throat> it's a genetic structure in a cell that it can replicate independently of the chromosomes. Typically a small circular DNA strand in the cytoplasm. That's like the jelly juice in the middle um, of a bacterium or protozoan. Um, plasmids are they're used a lot in laboratory manipulation of genes so just just be aware that's like a little thing floating around in the bacteria itself it's almost like a a pathogen infecting the bacteria that's like a plasmid okay um so that plasmid is able to induce uh the replication of dna in the host cell whether it be plant or as this author these authors are suggesting also it could be mammal um so it's saying that it it transfers from agrobacterium to the plant cell nucleus or our cell nucleus perhaps where it is integrated into the chromosomal dna and it is expressed okay so similarly hairy root disease is caused by a root inducing ri plasmid A large number of bacterial and host factors are involved in this process, which finally results in genetically transformed plant cells. 
During the process of infection, agrobacterium suppresses plant defense mechanisms via the chromosomally encoded degradation of hydrogen peroxide and by TI plasmid-related functions. So what that is saying is that, hey, when the whenever a pathogen enters our body, we have a a response, an immune response, right? It's recognized usually by its antigens or its signature. And those antigens are signals to the body that says, hey, that's not your body. That's something else. Attack, attack. Okay, so basically what he's saying is that agrobacterium has the ability to suppress the plant defense mechanisms. So, you know, that means that if it can do that in humans, then it would suppress the body's response that either through the recognition of a foreign invader, hey, that's not us. We need to take that thing out. Um, so either they don't recognize it and they think, yep, nothing to see here, moving along, or um, they do recognize it, but for whatever reason, they are ineffective at attacking it and removing it from the body. Many, many, many parasites and parasitism in general um, will have that effect on the host. Parasites have evolved over millions of years to be really good at evading the host defense system, okay? Um, okay, let's keep going. High amounts of auxins and cytokinins are produced, which carry out abnormal proliferation, leading to tumorous growth or abnormal rooting. Tumor-specific amino acid and sugar derivatives known as opines, which are sec secreted by the tumor and hairy root, are known as agrocenopines. These opines serve as selective nutrients for the inducing bacterium and promotion of conjugal transfer of their TIRI plasmid. Okay, so lots of jargon there. Um, basically just saying that, you know, there's a lot of chemicals produced, which causes an abnormal proliferation of the agrobacterium, which leads to abnormal rooting and tumorous growth. That's what it does to plants, y'all. And people... What it does is uh, make weird fucking white fuzzballs and hairs and black specks and grains come out of open lesions on my face that have been there for over a month. Um, you know, maybe. <laughs> that, that's like the theoretical explanation. It is interesting, though, that the materials that have emerged from my skin are highly, highly similar to the appearance of uh, some particular agrobacterium species and the diseases they cause in plants. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, have experienced Morgulon symptoms um, and uh, visualize Morgulon-type objects, materials that seem to resemble plants. I know I have. Y'all, I'm not even joking when I say I've had green shit growing out of my hands. I'm not, that's not a lie. It's not made up. It's not a hallucination. It's not a delusion. I've had lime green fungus-looking shit emerge from my skin in my hands and it's pretty weird pretty weird okay can agrobacterium inject genes into human cells scientists have assumed that agrobacterium a common natural plant genetic engineer does not infect and transfer genes into human cells however this has been proved to be wrong 
In transformed HELA cells, integration occurred at the right border of the TI plasmids tDNA exactly with plant cell transformation. Also, tDNA is also transferred to the chromosome of the human cancer cell. This suggests that agrobacterium transforms human cells by a mechanism similar to that which it uses to transform plant cells. Generally, agrobacterium is not shown as a primary pathogen in healthy individuals, but it can carry out opportunistic infections in humans with a weakened immune system. So that's pretty interesting, pretty interesting. Um, basically just saying that it has been proven that the agrobacterium can inf infect human cells just in pretty much the same similar way it infects plant cells in an opportunistic way. Meaning if you've got a healthy, normal immune system, they're saying you probably can fight this thing off, but if you're immunocompromised, maybe not. I would question that because I know I'm healthy as a dang horse, y'all. And I still got Morgulons, all right? Um, never had the flu in my life. Not one time. Not one time. Can't even remember the last time I was sick for more than 24 hours. Can't even remember it, y'all. I'm not immunocompromised. I work with a crazy, filthy children who have all kinds of dang things. I'm not immunocompromised. Okay, so the first section here, uh, when they're going in to talk about this, Morgulons disease. Let's hear it. This is a relatively new disease, only been discovered in 2001. Morgulon's disease is a mysterious skin disease, which is characterized by with the signs of fibrous material and painful lesions. It is also known as Morgulon's syndrome. The name Morgulon's was first given by Mary Lado in 2002. Symptoms of Morgulon diseases include rashes or sores on the skin and itching, crawling, biting, and stinging sensations beneath the skin. However, in this disease, fibers emerge from the lesions. It's true, y'all, which are of a variety of colors. It's true, y'all, when examined under a microscope or even when you're just looking at that shit. It's even weirder under a microscope, but you can see them with your, with your plain old eyes. Um, as well as these skin manifestations, some patients also suffer from short-term memory loss, fatigue, joint pain, mental confusion, and changes in vision, brain frog. For the identification of the Morgulon's disease, whether it is caused by agrobacterium or not, skin biopsy is taken from the patients and subjected to PCR, that means polymerase chain testing, for the detection of genes encoded by agrobacterium chromosomes, vir genes, like viral vir, I guess that means, and tDNA on its TI plasmid. The main symptom of Morgulon's is, quote, a fixed belief that fibers are embedded in or extruding from the skin. Almost 95% of all Morgulon's symptoms are caused by a newly transmitted or perhaps already present Borreliosis, Lyme disease, and the typical viral, protozoal, and bacterial conditions. Co-infections, sorry, co-infections. So are there typical viral, protozoal, and bacterial co-infections with Lyme disease? They've got a citation here. We'll have to look more into that uh, later in another episode. I'm very curious about it. Uh, very fascinating. Wonder where they're getting these bold statements uh, from in terms of their sources. Uh, question everything. Don't ever stop. Uh, the main symptom, blah, blah, blah. Um, almost 95% of all Morgulon symptoms are caused by a newly transmitted or perhaps already present Borreliosis. Uh-huh. And the typical co-infections. Interesting. Other symptoms including <clears throat> skin lesions, both spontaneous and self-inflicted. People with this disorder seem to be more likely to develop low thyroid functioning, musculoskeletal affects, and pain, including joints, muscles, tendons, and connective tissue, disabling fatigue, cognitive, and emotional effects. However, Morgulon's patients exhibit increased levels of inflammatory cytokines, insulin, and antibodies. I want to tell you guys something. Um, I had a bunch of lab work done back in, back in 2015. And I will say this is before I ever even thought of Morgulons 
Uh, it never had any symptoms of it, but I will say that it was odd. I did have uh, elevated insulin, and I did have, um, what was the thing they were saying? Uh, I'm sorry, there was something else, too, that seemed really... Oh, connective, mixed connective tissue disorder was another diagnosis that I had at one time. So are these things affects or risk factors? for morgulines. Do you know what I'm saying? Were they present previous to the development of morgulines symptoms or did they develop after morgulines? That would be one uh, area of research I would like to see uh, executed. Um, then it says, however, morgulines patients, oh, okay, sorry, many morgulines patients have symptoms that are also consistent with chronic fatigue syndrome, depression, and obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, Neurological symptoms include confusion, difficulty walking and controlling their feet, foot drop, and a sagging mouth when speaking. Never heard that before. There is a citation. Again, we will dive deeply into the uh, sources that are cited in this paper on another episode. Delusional parasitosis and other neuropsychological disorders. Morgulon's disease in certain conditions known as delusional parasitosis is also known as delusions of parasitosis and Ekman syndrome. This is 95% identical with Morgulon's disease. In this disease, patients have often complained of skin itching or burning and feeling like there's something crawling under their skin. Patients reported that they have realized threads or hair-like structures coming out of lesions on their skin. For these reasons, Morgulon's disease is sometimes referred to as skin crawling disease. Is it? (laughs) In delusional parasitosis, patients hold a delusional belief that they are infested with parasites. They may experience insects crawling on or under the skin. Individuals suffering from this condition may develop elaborate rituals of inspection and cleansing to locate and remove parasites and fibers, resulting in a form of self-mutilation. They injure themselves in attempts to get rid of the parasites by picking at the skin, causing lesions, and then pick at the lesions, preventing them from healing. Some cases of delusional parasitosis are associated with neurological, psychological conditions. Other symptoms that are sometimes associated with this condition include depression, chronic fatigue, difficulty in thinking, clearly diabetic neuropathy, menopause, skin cancer, and so on. I do not understand this paragraph. What are they trying to say here? Are they saying that Morgulons is synonymous with delusional parasitosis? Um... 95% identical? Well, what are the 5% it's not identical? Let's use a little bit more precise terms here. I mean, if they're injuring themselves trying to locate and remove parasites and fibers, self-mutilation, are there actual fiber? I mean, this is where, you know, the difference between a real infestation and a delusional one is, of course, evidence of actual infestation. Not really sure what this is getting at, Um, and it a little bit undermines the credibility of this paper, but let's keep going. Uh, That's one disease they're listing. So the next thing they have on their list of diseases caused by agrobacterium is, quote, primary bacteremia and pneumonia. Rhizobium radiobacter, which is also known as A. radiobacter, is a non-spore-forming motile, meaning it can move, soil organism. So it's found in the dirt, doesn't form spores, and it can move. Radiobacter. This organism causes neoplastic, that means cancer, disease in many plant species, but it has low level of virulence in humans. Reports have been published of this infection in individuals who are immunocompromised, often with malignancies or HIV infection also due to contamination of intravenous fluid or in those people who have indwelling central venous catheters, okay? So they're basically just saying people whose immune system is not working as good as it should um, because of conditions like cancer, like HIV, 
um, have been infected with Rhizobium radiobacter, which is apparently a type of agrobacterium. And um, they were saying also, if, you know, if you're giving somebody IV fluids and it somehow got contaminated with this, that has been shown. They've got two sources cited. And in those people with indwelling central venous catheters, all that means is sometimes when people are really sick and they have to go to the hospital to keep getting medicine and a continuing manner, you know, over and over, they will just place a, a catheter, you know, a tube in the person's, usually chest, um, that, that, that when they go to the hospital, the nurses can just put that medicine right in the catheter. They don't have to get, um, venous access every time access to the circulatory, circulatory system. Uh, cause it's pretty traumatic for patients, uh, especially who are really sick. So that's, but those central venous catheters are, are often associated with infection if they're not properly cared for. So basically just wanting to explain that. So y'all aren't lost here. Uh, if you are, and if you're not, I'm sorry for wasting your time. A radiobacter, a radiobacter is recognized as an emerging opportunity human pathogen. Therefore, a radiobacter should be included in the list of pathogens that can cause catheter-related bacteremia in hemodialysis patients, pediatric patients, and cancer patients. Hemodialysis is when you have chronic kidney disease and they have to literally, physically take all your blood out, clean it, and then put it back in. That's what your kidneys do for you, y'all. So when your kidneys break down, you got to have a machine do it, okay? So um, let's go to the next disease they list, endo. Endothalmitis. Endothal, um, if I'm not pronouncing this right, I'm so sorry. Endothalmitis is an inflammation of the internal layers of the eye. Endothalmitis is most frequently caused by the various bacteria and fungi and often occurs during cataract surgery, resulting in loss of vision. Other causes include penetrating trauma, so something, some dart flies in your eye and it's got this bacteria on it, and retained intraocular foreign bodies. Okay, so if there's a blast when you're fighting in Iraq or something and a piece of shrapnel went in your eye and it was retained, it could not be removed. If that shrapnel had um, some bacteria or fungi on it, it can cause endothalmitis. Um, so when this... Uh, oh, a radiobacter is an opportunistic human pathogen and has been shown to be responsible for acute endothalamitis. When this bacterium gets attached to the intraocular lens during cataract surgery, you don't use clean instruments or something, right? Shitty doctor there. Um, endothalamitis may develop. Clean your instruments, please. As a result of a radiobacter infection, there will be a severe decrease of visual acuity or even blindness of the involved eye. However, the um, the process of infection carried out by a radiobacter is not clear because it is primarily a soil pathogen, and its ingress into hospitals is not known. Meaning, how the hell did it get in this hospital? It's supposed to be in the dirt. Uh, cases of the endopth thalmitis caused by a radiobacter were found and successfully treated with antibiotic therapy, but patient's visual acuity was lost. Um, yeah, that is a good question. How in the fuck did um, a soil pathogen bacteria get not only into a hospital, but on your freaking scalpel when you were doing my cataract surgery? I would definitely be hiring a lawyer to look into that if I was a blind lady. Due to endophthalmitis, it says risk of cancer. Cancer involves unregulated cell growth. Um, the it is mainly caused by chemical, physical, and biological agents. 
Biological agents include viruses and bacteria, which cause infection in humans. These include human papilloma virus. That's HPV, y'all. We now have a vaccine. Young ladies out there, go get your HPV vaccine. I know you don't want cervical cancer or genital warts or any kind of warts. Quick break. When we get back, we will finish this paper. All right, we're back. Thanks for listening, you guys. Um, so we were just talking about cancer. It's mainly caused by chemical, physical, and biological agents. The biological agents can be infectious agents such as viruses and bacteria. Chemical and physical meaning like, you know, if you smoke, that physical irritation of the lining of your esophagus may, over time, those irritants and inflammation may cause cancer, unregulated cell growth. That could be physical as well as chemical. Um so we were talking about HPV, getting your vaccine, Epstein-Barr virus. That's a type of herpes virus. It causes mono, uh, hepatitis B, a bloodborne pathogen, right? And hepatitis C viruses, also bloodborne, and so on. So these viruses can lead to cancer, is what they're saying. Bacterial infections may also increase the risk of cancer, as seen in helicobacter pylori-induced gastric carcinoma. Uh, pylori is the bacteria that causes stomach ulcers. Interestingly, has also been found in the wounds of Morgulon's patients. Similarly, human cancer cells along with neuronal and kidney cells can be transformed with agrobacterium tDNA. Very interesting. They're saying neurons, brain cells can be transformed with agrobacterium as well as kidney cells. The integrated tDNA acts as a mutagen. It, it mutates it, They're your own cells, and integrates into human chromosomes. Cancer can be triggered by activation of oncogenes. Onco always means cancer. Oncology is the study of cancer, right? Activation of oncogenes or inactivation of cancer suppressing genes. So we can activate our oncogenes or we can suppress them. Furthermore, the sequences carried within the tDNA in the transforming bacterium can be expressed in the transformed cells. The viral promoter cauliflower mosaic virus has been found to be active in HELA cells and currently tested for human genes such as interleukins. Um, let's, I'm not really sure what that means. The sequences in the tDNA of transforming bacterium, okay, so there are genetic sequences in the tDNA, transfer DNA, um, in that, that are expressed in the transformed cells that they infect. Um, they're giving, I think, an example here, the viral promoter cauliflower mosaic virus. I've never heard of that. But they're just saying um, that when the human cells are infected, they express the DNA of the infecting uh, bacterial DNA. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. And then they've got the last section here. Other human disease associations. Agrobacterium yellow group causes sepsis and monoarticular arthritis during stem cell transplantation and recurrent Hodgkin disease. It's a type of blood cancer. Some strains of agrobacterium produce poisonous hydrogen sulfide gas in humans, which may create a serious problem, you think? Um, our radiobacter can uh, cause a wound infection in patients with diabetes. A tumefacens is used in production of genetically engineered foods such as bananas and potatoes, but clinical tests on humans eating genetically engineered potatoes showed that they started producing antibodies against Norwalk virus, which causes acute bouts of diarrhea. Some reported cases of A. radiobacter and other agrobacterium species infection in humans are provided in Table 1. They've got a table. 
Here, I'm just going to go really quick down. Disease and condition caused by agrobacterium species. Um, they have Morgulon diseases. And then it's got age slash sex. Two-year male, two-year-old male. So I guess these are reported case studies of an agrobacterium causing Morgulons in a two-year-old male. Hmm, that'd be interesting to know about. We will definitely look up uh, the sources of this paper in a uh, upcoming episode. Bacteremia, bacteremia, bacteremia. Uh, this is in a couple of males and a female ranging from age four to 47. Uh, peritonitis. Itis always means inflammation, y'all. Your peritonitis would be the lining of your abdominal uh, wall, kind of. Um, wound infection, peritonitis, pneumonia, bacteremia, 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 blah, 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 blah. Uh, foreign devices, the evergreen catheter, central venous catheter, peritoneal catheter, um, you know, they've got a bunch of things, Hickman catheter, just different catheters, um, with an underlying condition. So um, this is very, very interesting, very interesting table. Check out this paper. It's on researchgate.net. Conclusion, agrobacterium is a plant pathogen, which is known as a natural plant genetic engineer and also has a large number of applications in a variety of fields such as biotechnology in which it is used for inserting foreign genes into plants as well as in non-plant species. It is used for the genetic transformation of different fungal species, for example, genetically modified yeast cells for industrial production of recombinant proteins utilized in medicine and other applications. In addition, agrobacterium species are also be able to cause infections in humans. But one thing to keep in mind is that it only carries out opportunistic infections in humans with a weakened immune system, including catheter-related bacteremia, urinary tract infections, pneumonia, peritonitis, and endocarditis. Uh, endocarditis, endo means inside, cardi, that's cardiac heart, itis, inflammation, inflammation of the heart. Most of these infections occurred in hospital patients who are suffering from HIV infections, hematologic blood malignancies, solid tumor or organ transplantation, and or in patients bearing foreign bodies such as central catheter, peritoneal catheter. Uh, hic- peritoneal hat catheter is the one they use when they do that hemodialysis on you to clean your blood when your kidneys can't do it. Hickman catheter, sorry, I don't know what that is. I'm a psych nurse. Nephrostomy tubes. Nephro means kidney. Ostomy means there's been a hole created in it that goes out to your body, like a colostomy bag, you know. It transfers the human waste into a bag um, through a hole in the body. So nephrostomy tubes would be, you know, if somebody's having problems with maybe they have bladder cancer and had their bladder removed. So that means the urine will go straight from the kidneys to the outside of the body into a bag, something like that. Okay. However, such infections caused by agrobacterium species are treatable with antibiotic therapy, but this literature review serves as a warning against hazardous and infection causing effects of agrobacterium species, especially to farm workers and scientists who work with them in laboratories. Um, very interesting. I gratefully acknowledge the support from the staff of the Department of Biotechnology, UKA Tar. Sadia University for providing me the opportunity for doing this project and special thanks to MA who guided me throughout this work. There are no conflicts of interest. And then he has a bunch of citations. There are 42 citations uh, that I am seeing here in this paper. Let's look at some of these citations and see where the information that we just learned in this paper where it was uh, gleaned from. Let's see, uh, you know, what the hell he meant about that Morgulons versus delusional parasitosis. I'm curious about that case study, uh, reported Morgulons in a two-year-old male uh, caused by agrobacterium. Really? I want to read that. That that would be very interesting. Um, thank you all so, so very much.
for taking the time to learn uh, uh, with me about agrobacterium and its possible connection to Morgulon's disease. The investigation continues until the answers are discovered and the treatments and cures are produced, right? We don't quit. We don't give up. We are champions. Hang in there, you guys. Hang in there and stay tuned.